Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we have my brother. He's been on before. Good friend of mine, somebody I love and adore, somebody I talk to often for advice, none other than, I guess, what does Reverend Sharpton call you? America's, the Black America's Attorney General, Ben Crump. I, it looks like you live from Tallahassee. Is that where you are today? Thank God I'm home today, Bakari. Thank God. Man, um, look, what's, tell me what's, I mean, tell me what's, I mean, look, I, I have questions for you, but I want to know, Grand Rapids, Florida, Wells Fargo, how, how you doing? What's going on? You know, Bacard, we are fighting racism and discrimination on every front where it rears its ugly head. And actually, you know, it's interesting. I thought you and I were going to be representing uh, a white family out in Michigan, uh, speaking of Grand Rapids, but I'm always, I mean this, Bacard, I'm, I'm risen to a high intellectual level when you and I engage. And that's why I love working with you so much, brother. Um, I'm working obviously with uh, this Wells Fargo thing where you saw them give less than 50% of home loans compared to uh, with black people applying for home mortgages compared to uh, white citizens with less credit scores. And this seems to be a pattern with Wells Fargo. And so it, it was coincidental when uh, I got involved in litigation and then Mayor Eric Adams from New York came out and said that they were suspending all their accounts, no new accounts with Wells Fargo until they could uh, convince the city of New York that they were not engaged in discriminatory practices against African-American families. And you know, Bakari Sellers, why this is such a big issue because this is the greatest wealth builder in America to have home ownership. So when you are arbitrarily seem like redlining against black people, it not just affects that family, but it affects the whole community. You being a South Carolinian, you know how black communities can be devastated by biased banking. Talk about Grand Rapids. What's going on down there? Man, I don't know. What they're saying, you you know about all these cases because you fight on the front lines with them all the time too. Patrick Leola was uh, driving on the morning and what we're starting to believe, it has to be investigated as a potential driving while black case because the officer claims that he pulled him over because he had some issue with his tag registration, but he was coming in the opposite direction, Bakari Sellers. And so how do you know about my tag if you're coming in the opposite direction? And so it becomes akin to what we in the black community know as DWB, driving while black. And you know, Bakari, you drive fancy cars. So I'm sure you, you've been pulled over on driving while black before. It, it, it's one of those issues where the police officer is driving in a opposite direction. They see the black motorists. They look over or look over and then they make a U-turn per car and then they get behind the black motorist and they come up with a pretextual reason to pull over the African-American motorist and then everything escalates from there. So when you think about this, Patrick Leola was 
killed because a police officer expedited, escalated a simple misdemeanor traffic stop to the point of a deadly execution by shooting him in the back of his head, lodging a bullet in his brain. And this was a young man that never once on that video tried to engage in any violence with the officer. He was simply trying to walk away. Now, we would rather he have complied with the police. However, the case law is very clear on this. Just because you walk away from the police officer does not give him the right to engage in deadly force. And don't take Ben Crump's word for it. Look at that video for yourself. This uh, unarmed citizen is walking away and the police go hands-on with them for God knows what reason, never de-escalates, but continues to escalate. He literally takes him down. Uh, he's punching Patrick. He's kneeing Patrick. Multiple instances of violence, but yet Patrick never engages in violence with him. Patrick has house slippers on. By the time this is over with, he's barefooted. His pants are falling down off his behind because he could have simply de-escalated the situation. Even if he was walking away, getting away, you got the automobile. You got a passenger sitting in the passenger seat of the automobile. You did not have to do the most intrusive thing that led to the execution yet again of another unarmed black person in America. And I have to say this, Picard, because I know you have a diverse audience on your uh, podcast. You know, leaders all over the world, rightfully so, and leaders here in the United States, we are condemning Russian soldiers for shooting unarmed citizens in the back of their heads in the Ukraine. Well, we want them to condemn police officers shooting black people unarmed in the back of their heads in the United States of America. First of all, I drive a Nissan Titan 2011, so I don't drive no fancy car. Second, how did... Maybe why, you got how a plan. Did, I do. You do have a plan. How, how, how did the body camera end up off? You know, that is mysterious. Uh, a lot of people who have been contacting our office uh, saying, Attorney Crump, it, it's very mysterious that when that body camera goes off, that police body camera, his hand is up near his chest. So we're investigating that as well as the uh, driving while black and certainly the excessive use of force. The other thing I will say is this, Bakari. You know, this guy, and everybody's gonna try to say, he said, taser, taser. If he's following his training, the taser that he was using, the model, you fire two rounds and then it's ineffective. He fired the two rounds inappropriately because he did it in close proximity and the very function of the taser is for you not to go hands-on. So you're supposed to create distance. You're supposed to de-escalate. He could have waited for his backup. He could have did anything, but he went hands-on, shot the taser twice. And then he's going to try to make this huge leap to say, well, I had to shoot him in the back of his head, even though I had him down, face down. And at the moment when he shoots the car, his hand is holding his head down. He reaches back 
got both his knees, got him under control. He's in a far superior position, put the gun to the back of his head and blows his brains out. Now, one of the things that my investigators and I were talking about was, you know, if you're struggling with somebody, if you don't have control of them, ain't no way in the world you're going to take your dominant hand away from them. So it was clear he had control of them. And then for reasons that cannot be justified, he engages in deadly force and kills this young man. And that's why people are so upset when they look at that video because it was such an unnecessary killing, because such an unnecessary killing. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink. And you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax, applicable on large big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. I mean, about what's going on in Florida. I know what we're here for. We're going to talk about the band in a minute. This is a special <laughs> episode. We're going to talk about this menthol band. But I mean, it, my guy is doing work. And I want y'all to know that Ben Crump, and I want you to talk about some of the policy work. People don't know that you're doing class actions, Wells Fargo. You're doing the civil rights work um, in Grand Rapids. This is the best time. And you're doing the plaintiffs, the tort work in Orlando. And, you know, you and I have been in the policy room. So talk about Orlando and some of the policy changes, not yeah. just from Orlando, but things we're trying to do. Yeah, now that's a great question, Bakar, because you have been so instrumental in uh, leading those efforts with policy. You know, uh, Bakar always gives reflective sunshine, and that's what I love about him, too. He really is just brilliant. I, I say that privately and publicly. When you're working, you know, uh, to get policy, you have to be able to articulate for both sides why it's in their best interest, whether they're on the uh, Democratic side or the Republican side, and no one does that like Bakari. And so when I think about what's going on in Florida, two things come to mind. One that I'm intimately involved in, and that's obviously the uh, theme park ride where a uh, 14-year-old Tyree Sampson fell off the free fall at Icon Park, 140 feet. And so uh, Senator Geraldine Thompson in Orlando, Florida, a good sister, good AKA sister, she is leading the effort to have a Tyree Sampson law that provides greater regulation to these theme parks that dominate Orlando. So when your children come to visit Orlando, Florida, you will know that they're gonna be safe and you don't have to worry about them falling to their death 140 feet in one of what I think one of the most harbor deaths ever captured on a, a video. I, I, the only one I could think worse, honestly, is George Floyd. I mean, this little kid, to, to watch his body and then to see the result, it's just, 
it, it's so sad. Uh, it's heartbreaking to watch that video. And so we're working on policy to try to not only get justice for the family, but to prevent it from happening to anybody else's child. Then the second thing, Bacard, before we talk about George Floyd justice and policing that, man, our governor in Florida, Governor Ryan DeSantis, had a special session where he's trying to get rid of all of the congressional districts that have historically elected black congressmen in the state of Florida to make it become more Republican. So they're gerrymandering, they're drawing districts all funny. And he's saying, I can do this because I got a Republican controlled Congress legislature. And if anybody opposes me, then I'm going to write their name down and come out them. It really reminds you of uh, President Trump and how he used to say, make threats to people who were just trying to uh, be good leaders for their community in their state. Well, that's what's happening here in Florida. And we don't know if the courts are going to block it or what's going to happen, but it seems like the Republican leaders uh, have no heart to take a stand and say, no, we are a democracy. We are a government of the people, by the people, not a monarchy, not a communist uh, country where the person who is in the chair gets to impose his will selfishly on everybody else. And that's what's happening in the state of Florida. John Lewis is turning over in his grave right now because sellers because of what Ron DeSantis is doing in the state of Florida. And so it's those policies that we have to do everything we can, sue, march, protest, to stop them from stealing our democracy from us, stealing our congressional seats from us. And so it's a full-on battle. Last policy thing, May 25th coming up. Bakari, we got to have President Biden sign an executive order on it before that anniversary. Too many people in the black community went and voted during the pandemic, risking their lives so they could have some measure of justice for George Florida, Breonna Taylor, uh, all those individuals whom you and I have represented. So they would not be forgotten about, but more importantly, we can prevent some of the hashtags from happening. We know it won't stop. We're not that naive, but at least we can slow it down, you know? And, and so thank you for going to Florida. We got to get your South Carolina senators on board still, but thank you for going to the Capitol over and over with George Floyd's family, with Eric Gardner's family, with uh, Botham James' family, with Terrence Crutcher's family, Breonna Taylor's family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll still do that work. Let's talk about this menthol ban, because to be honest with you, I'm on the fence. And, you know, I I would support a ban on menthols. Tell me why yeah. shouldn't the Biden administration ban them? Well, you know, I would support a ban on menthol, too, uh, if they were going to have a ban on cigarettes altogether. But don't ban the menthol cigarettes that 
85% of African-Americans smoke because now you're arbitrarily putting your hand on the scale to say, we're going to criminalize black culture the same way they do with, you know, crack cocaine and powder cocaine. Cigarettes are bad. Uh, and so we have to acknowledge that if you're going to ban them all, don't ban just one. And I go back to this, Bakari, man, I, literally at this moment, we're dealing with Patrick Layola, who was killed, I believe, based on unintended consequences, pretextual stops, things escalate. So if you have a ban on menthol and police are already looking for reasons to interact and profile black people, well, if you're smoking a cigarette, you can't tell whether it's a menthol cigarette because if you, you know, 10, 20 feet away, but you can say, oh, they smoking a cigarette. What's the difference between menthol and non-menthol? I mean, that talked to, I mean, and what's the history on attempts to ban menthol federally? Is that, is this new? No, it, it's been ongoing. They say menthol is more addictive, but there's really no science to prove that, uh, overwhelmingly. And so what you do is you start looking at, well, why are they doing this? And I feel it's a knee-jerk reaction in some regards because they're saying, hey, we got to do something to public health. Uh, critics have said you need to do something. Now, they haven't said do something to go ahead and make it safe for everybody. They saying, no, we're just going to do menthol. And how about the cigarettes that white people smoke? Or, uh, is it not a health crisis for them? Last time I heard, cigarettes was bad for black and white people, Bacar. And so we got to make sure that we don't let them pass a law that has unintended consequences, a la the 94 crime bill. You had the best intentions, but as the old saying goes, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so you can see already, you think about Eric Gardner, you can see how people who have this addiction to the menthol cigarettes, you know, nicotine and such is an addiction. And now they are gonna be forced to try to get them on the black market, get Lucy cigarettes. Eric Gardner, remember, was choked to death. His alleged crime, Bacar, he was selling Lucy cigarettes for a dollar. Well, you can predict if they ban menthol cigarettes that it's not going to stop people from wanting menthol cigarettes. I know I had an uncle, he smoked menthol cigarettes every day. And I could only imagine how this would have impacted him and his desperate attempts to be able to get his cigarettes. And so I think we should continue to do education. We should continue to try to work with community uh, activists to say, how can we safely get people off of cigarettes and not just go to this draconian measure saying it's over, now you just don't smoke and watch how that's gonna work out for us. You're gonna see more black people getting into the criminal justice system, now not for selling cocaine, not for selling marijuana, they're going to be getting felony convictions for selling cigarettes. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So uh, answer me this, who, who is, you know, opposed to this ban on menthol other than its tobacco companies? And where is the CBC on this issue? You know, I, I don't know where the CBC is exactly on this issue. I think they're not uh, united one way or the other. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, con- former Congressman Kendrick Meeks, and others, uh, Eric Garner's mother, and they were just talking about, you know, Attorney Crump, you deal with this on a regular basis, how Black people just happen to have interactions with police officers more than other citizens, at least on a percentage basis. This is just another arsenal to have in the police toolbox to say, because tell us that black guy, he's smoking a cigarette. I think it's a menthol cigarette. There's no way visually to tell the difference from a menthol cigarette and a non-menthol cigarette. So now they have a reason to come and confront you and then start trying to find other things on you. You know, we already know how they uh, violate the Fourth Amendment on uh, marginalized people of color all the time, having these unreasonable searches and seizures. So now if I'm walking down the street uh, in my neighborhood with a cigarette, it's game on. The police can just come and say, hey, that looked like a menthol cigarette. You know, we got a ban on that. What else you got illegal? You know, that that all makes a, a lot of sense. I ain't gonna say you convincing me, but your argument does make sense. Last question for you. And let me say this. Let me say this. Not trying to convince anybody at this point, uh, because I'm like you, because I try to stay open-minded. But we do need a commission to study it so we don't end up with a 94 crime bill where we help and create uh, convicted felons in the Black community at a disproportionate rate. That's all I'm saying. When will the administration make a final decision on this? You know, it, it, they seem like it was something that was moving full steam ahead. But I think now with people looking at this thing uh, in a very 
focused manner. They're saying, have we really studied this enough? So it can happen as early as next month, or they can impanel a commission to study the unintended consequences of a menthol ban, because I just don't want to see another Eric Gardner. I just don't want to see, you know, I, I, I think about this whole war on drugs. Every time they come up with it, what it really ends up being is more black people going to get locked up and white people are going to get slaps on the wrist. You never lie about that, my brother. Ben Crump, I love you. I'm glad that you're back home. I know you've been traveling the world. Go home and kiss your family. You know, sleep in the bed tonight. Enjoy yourself. Get one of them well-done burgers you like. We just kept <laughs> up on it. And uh, I love you, brother. We'll talk soon. I love you, too. I'm going to get some well-done salmon. I'm trying to be healthy. I'll look I want to <laughs> live as long as uh, I can live, brother. You deserve it. All right, my brother. Be easy.